You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season. This is the time for teams to prove if they're contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Another episode of Habs Nightly. It feels like it's been a while since we talked, but so much shit has happened. This might be one of the most important uh, episodes we've been a part of, mainly, you know, even past like COVID and shit. But like, we've had a very busy week and, um, you know, things could be really good on the horizon. But Mason, how are you, bud? It's been a minute. I'm fucking fabulous. Happy to be back. I think Farrells did a great job coming in and replacing me, but I'm back in my rightful fucking spot. Love Farrells. <laughs> and yeah, and we're, we got some shit to talk about today. Um, specifically, uh, prospect signings, entry-level contracts, <laughs> trades, uh, quarantines, because we haven't had hockey for fucking days now, and it's killing me. But we should have it back, uh, what, April 3rd, I believe. Yes, this uh, this Tuesday. So Yeah, so looking forward to that. But damn, do we have some stuff to talk about today. Like I said, like I, well, we were both really excited to get into this episode because for once we seem to have a lot of news this year. If uh... – if I can be honest, I am so much happier that this stuff happened this week because you you know you you were a part of it and it would have been so much harder to to just take in all of this shit by myself. I would have just completely fucking panicked. But uh, I'm glad to actually not talk to myself and my dumbass cat who was basically <laughs> my audience just fucking staring at me last week. But um super super excited you're back and what a, what a way to come back. You know, you take one week off, you come back, and it's 
like there's just so much to talk about dude like yeah for sure and why don't we just jump right into it let's um, <laughs> we had some huge news out of the ncaa today probably franchise or not today um the last few days probably yes, franchise altering um the thing i know you guys all want to hear about uh jordan harris i mean like fuck no obviously we're gonna talk about, <laughs> we're gonna talk about cole caulfield um wow for starters what a performance even in a losing effort scored two goals against uh fuck i can't even remember the team's name it's uh bemidji bemidji yeah state. some some fucking team the bemidji state beavers six to three the beavers um, but two goals in a losing effort fucking carried that team. Hobie Baker sees one of the best NCAA runs that we've seen in a long, long, long time. Arguably one of the best NCAA players ever. I think you can make that argument for Cole Caulfield has finally decided or has finally gotten to the end of his NCAA career and has signed in Montreal. Now this is huge. He's going to Laval. Um, we're hearing initially he's mm-hmm. going to report to Laval. But I wouldn't be surprised if his first game, pro game, is in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Keep in mind that he can't join the Habs until Mark Bergevin frees up some cap space due to the Eric Stahl acquisition, which we're going to talk about soon. But I want to know, Corey, what do you think about this signing? Like, were you shocked at all or were you pretty, you know, you saw the writing on the wall as I did? So... You know, like I guess, I guess people could be a little concerned because Jordan Harris decided to hang back and play for Northeastern a little bit longer. I think that's more of a, a benefit towards him, and we can definitely go into that later. Uh, but I think Cole Caulfield, you kind of saw this coming. Um, had a terrific season. He had a terrific previous season as well, but uh, really kind of did what he does best. He, I wouldn't say held that team together, but definitely was a major role and the deep run that they did have, even though they, they lost in, you know, the first the first chance in the NCAA tournament. But um, I think he had a solid run in college. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's he's from around somewhere close to that area, grew up. Uh, he said he wanted to play for the Badgers growing up. And um, I think, he, you know, he got his chance. But truthfully, to dominate that much, it's almost like, you know, like you're ready for the next step. So if he would have stayed more, I think it would only make sense if he did, if like his entire class was like him, as far as like, uh, you know, that if, if that entire group wasn't moving forward, they were still, you know, freshmen or, or just young enough to stay, stay around to keep that synergy together. But he definitely plays better than, you know, what the NCAA really has to offer. And truthfully, I think it was it's the right idea. The next step needs to be taken to continue his his rise, you know, develop his game even higher. So, you know, I could say that it could have been a, a flip of a coin. But truthfully, I think we all knew if presented Cole Hill, Caulfield was ready to take the next step in his career. Yeah, definitely. And to add to your point, he's from Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Stevens Point. There we go. Um, yeah, I think Cole Caulfield has been – Frankly, like there's not a lot of comparables when you're comparing his, you know, his draft years and his post draft years in develop 
developmental leagues to guys like Austin Matthews, Phil Kessel. Um, <laughs> I think you're in some good fucking conversation. You're in some good company. Um, the instant kind of, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, insertion of him into the AHL lineup. Uh, personally, like as a house fan, like when I read that, I was very disappointed because we've been hyping up this Cole Caulfield signing for a very long time. But I will say, I don't think it would be a bad idea to um, kind of get him immersed into pro hockey. We got to remember this guy's still like, we, we say height isn't everything and size isn't everything in the NHL. Small players are still fucking amazing. Patrick Kane to bring it. How often do they have to prove it? But it is a big jump to go from playing against boys to playing against men. And I think, you know, a few games under Joel Bouchard to kind of understand the have system would only benefit Cole Caulfield personally. So despite my initial kind of, I would say, uh, let down because, you know, I hype, we hype it. We, we just want to see him on the power play. We want to see him getting passes from Kotkaniemi and Suzuki scoring goals, one timers, you know, that wrist shot. We want to see it all. But I think we've waited this long. We can wait a few more games, a few more weeks. And I'm almost certain Cole Caulfield will finish the year in a Habs uniform. Yeah, I truthfully think he'll get his nine. You know, I, th- I think it's uh, it, it's, no, it's wise to let him get, get a couple of chances. You know, there's no way Mark Bergeron burns a year of his ELC. If exactly. He's not exactly. But um, you're 100% right. Um, I don't know. I think we're all just excited where I think wherever he plays, if he, if he does end up, you know, playing in Laval, I I can't really be upset. I can't because it's just the next step. You know, if, if they want to make sure he's up to par, we we saw it with uh, Zegras, you know, like kid dominated in the world juniors and just has played, you know, still getting used to the game. I don't think it's a bad idea for him to start, but I would, I don't think there's no way in hell he doesn't finish this season, at least having an NHL game under his, you know, under his belt going into next season. But um, while we're still talking about him, um, what is it? Uh, I guess we'll just kind of throw the, the contract out there for people that might not have been able to see it. But um, he's agreed today, actually, he's agreed to a three-year entry-level contract. Um, he's going to earn 700000 700, at the NHL level for the 2021 season. Uh, eight hundred thirty-two hundred thousand for the twenty twenty-two season. Uh, eight in the AHL, he's gonna look at about I think it's seventy seventy thousand per season. Um, but he has uh performance bonuses up to the maximum of three hundred thousand for the twenty twenty-one twenty-two season, and up to um eight hundred and fifty for the twenty-two twenty-three season. So, I mean, that's pretty standard, but, you know, like, I feel like I'd feel bad if someone was listening to this and did not, you know, get to see John Liu tweet that earlier today. Yeah. And, you know, it's an entry level contract. So the numbers obviously aren't too influential against the cap, but they are enough in this case to where, like, we can't fit him in under the cap. Mm hmm with the Eric Stahl acquisition and we're going to move on to that, but I just want to keep talking about Caulfield for a little longer because like looking 
at the way he dominated the NCAA this year. I think there, it's fair to say there was a fair amount of hype regarding Caulfield since drafting him, but just going into the year. Mm-hmm. And would you say it's possible that he may have ended his NCAA career with even more hype? I, I definitely think so. Like uh, you saw it in the beginning last season looked tremendous. Um, this season, kind of a slow start comes back with the gold uh, and just has a dominating finish for his se- for his season and his career now. Uh, but it just truly shows in, in not even, not even a two full years in college, you know, to play hockey because both I believe were shortened. So he got a chance to dominate at a level that you would expect someone to do with an entire two full seasons or more. And I think that just goes to show like how impactful this guy can be, uh, you know, dominating the college, the college circuit is, is doable, but the way that he did it with less time, a lot harder circumstances and at his, you know, if you want to play the card at his size was very amazing. And, you know, all you can do, is just hope that that transitions over here. And I, I think it will. I, I truly think he's going to be a remarkable player. Yeah, definitely. And just the rate in which he scored goals every single league he plays in. If you needed a goal and towards the end of this, you know, towards the end of Wisconsin, can't really blame it on the goaltender. It, it was kind of up in the air, but like they needed offense and Cole Caulfield was the answer. He just this guy scores goals in every league he's played in at such an unprecedented rate. I'd be surprised if it takes him a long time to, to kind of get things going in the AHL. Uh interesting thought too. I want like kind of speculating, wondering who he'll play with in the AHL. And I gotta say, I'm pretty excited at the thought of him playing on a line with Ryan Paling. Because I know it's the Cole Caulfield show right now, and we're talking about him, but I feel like we got to give some love to Ryan Paling. Um, He is going off in the AHL this year. 13 points, 18 games. I think he's got like 10 in his last eight. Very nice. He's finally showing up. And the just thinking about him and Caulfield – I think together they're going to absolutely tear up the AHL if Caulfield plays there. So because of his, his play as of late, even if he's not necessarily put on Paling's line right away, uh, Paling, has, because of his excellent play, uh, has moved up to first uh, power play and PK unit. I'm not really seeing Cole Caulfield on the PK, but you damn well think that they're going to put Caulfield on the power play, probably first. So – whether or not he's on his line, he will at least see, you know, he will at least be adding numbers with Paling on uh, on the power play. Yeah, definitely. So even if it even if it's just seeing him on the power play until they're like, yeah, this is a great fit, you know, and then putting him with him either or I think I think we will see him alongside uh, Paling because I mean, truthfully, that's to pair him with somebody. Why not him? You know, that's that's definitely if we didn't have so much going on. If we didn't have so much depth now, Ryan Paling would probably be playing as a, as a Montreal Canadian. Yeah, for sure. I think 
Paling is a guy who's going to crack the roster definitely next year, and he'll, I think he'll push this year. I think this the acquisition of Eric Stahl once again poses another hurdle for him. Mm-hmm. But as much as I love him, I don't think Jake Evans has played that great as of late. And I think that may be what kind of pushed his version to make this trade to Eric Stahl. So maybe we'll kind of move on to talk about that. Um, initially, when we both heard the rumors about the Eric Stahl acquisition, uh, I think it was Neil. Neil, I can't say his last Neil. Villa the Piana. There you go. Of the New true, Jersey. A true Italian name. Of the New Jersey Devils podcast posted it in our work slack. And uh, we were both pretty fucking, eh, no thank you that to the idea of an Eric Stahl trade. <laughs> and we haven't talked about it yet, but I want to know what your reaction is to this deal. At first, it left me questioned, right? And it's not questioned based off of, I know what Eric Stahl is capable of. Uh, you know, he had a dominating presence in Minnesota when Minnesota was truly – you know, not not what they are this season. Um, I mean, he I think it was his 2017 season scored 42 goals, you know, and this is well, well into his, you know, his years. He's, I think, on his 17th NHL season. But um, I think it was more or less where the fuck do we put him? But you know what? You know, after after looking into it, it does make sense. If if you're worried about Jake Evans kind of stalling out for a bit, this is a great this is a great acquisition for a very low cost truthfully uh, a third and fifth in this up and coming uh, for magic beans of which we still have truthfully, truthfully. multiple third and fifth round picks going and on. actually i have a fucking list of i did some homework on eric stall i wanted to be prepared for eric stall um but but yeah so i think it really helps on the back end um but what i really like about it is that think about what just happened with this team. We have an entire another week off, you know, it makes that first week that we had off look like a waste. But if this is how they're going to handle the the North division, I can't see them continuing to do this uh, just because we're so far back now, uh, which is actually our advantage. And we'll get into that later. But um, if this is how, they're going to handle the Scotia North division as far as taking and, and, and t- instead of just quarantining two guys, quarantining the entire team from play. Uh, this is big for us because what happens if it comes down to it and they, they can no longer do that. They're forcing you to play. What if one of our depth guys, our depth center, maybe, you know, one of our centers truthfully, you know, gets COVID he's out, he's out the roster. I think this is a great acquisition um, to kind of fill in that blank. Mm-hmm. But let me let me pull up this. <clears throat> I did, and then my fucking phone closed. But look, so we traded them for a third and a fifth for this year. Uh, we still have 12 draft picks for the 2021 uh, draft. Which so, is looking looking to be a weak and a very unpredictable mm-hmm. draft. Very much. But we have a we have a first round. We have two seconds, two thirds, three fourths, two fifths, and a six and seven. So it's not like we really – I think this is such a this this was such I wouldn't call it a fleecing because Buffalo is just if if they got to rebuild like Ottawa and just collect you know Pokemon cards you know whatever they can get their fucking hands on to to look at towards the future so be it I think this is a great acquisition for us for pennies on the dollar yeah definitely and I want to point out too 
looking at Eric Stahl's stats this season, it's tough. They're horrible. He's a minus 20 um, in 32 games. That's on pace to more than double his worst career plus minus mm-hmm. in a season. He's still on pace for in a regular season around 30, 33, 34 points. Um, I don't think that's the worst in the world, especially for a depth guy. Um, but you also have to consider this guy's playing for, like, I thought the Detroit Red Wings were bad. I thought the Colorado Avalanche a few years ago were even worse. I don't know if I've seen a worse hockey team than the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> Truthfully, like, I'm not trying to kick, kick a dead man while he, like, you kick a man while he's down. He's already dead. No, yeah, they, like the Sabres are. They've dropped to fucking 17 losses um, yesterday. It's been brutal for them. And you know what? At 10 o'clock this morning, they had a press conference, the first press conference with Eric Saul as, you know, as being part of the organization. And he just seems truly happy to be here, you know? So. Yeah, it's like Buffalo is historically bad. So I'm going to kind of take this, this season stats with the grain of salt. If you look to last year, 47 points in 66 games, he's on pace for almost 60 points. That's not bad. 52 the year before, 76 the year before that with 42 goals. I think Eric Stahl still has a lot in the tank. I don't think he's a superstar anymore. But I think he can provide offense. And, you know, Buffalo clearly thought – that he was capable of playing as a second line center. That's what he was signed to do. And to start this season, looking at Buffalo on paper, I thought he was good. I thought he was a great fit there. I thought they had one of the best top sixes, not one of the, maybe a top 10 top six in the league. Mm -hmm. Obviously if it looks good on paper, it fucking doesn't always work out that way as they've shown. But I just think the more like, my initial reaction was kind of like yours, but the more I look at this deal, the more I'm realizing it's another one of Mark Bergevin's sneaky, smart, you know, get it trades that just gets a this is aging superstar member of the triple gold club for mm-hmm. pennies on the dollar. This is definitely Mark Bergevin saving, you know, if, if the season goes south, this is another reason for him to stick around. You can't, you know, like you, Sometimes change needs to happen, but like he's doing everything he can to make this team better. Uh, truthfully, I thought about I've, I've had a couple of days to think about it. He actually, Eric Saul, play, you know, because he's going to play on the fucking fourth, no doubt, you know, move up maybe. I, I don't really foresee it, but there's a chance. But he reminds me of like what St. Louis Blues did with um, Alexander Steen, I think his name was, uh, dropped him down to the fourth, the fourth line. Uh, for their Stanley Cup run. And it was like a guy that definitely, you know, they, they, a guy that definitely could play beyond that, but a guy that understood mm-hmm. his role and just wanted to be part of a success, you know, bring the success to this team. So understood his role and, and took it, you know, like a, like a veteran. And I think that Eric Stahl probably thought he was going to end his career in Buffalo. Like, truthfully, he probably could have retired if he got stuck with Buffalo this year, I'm not saying that he won't retire with us, but at least he doesn't probably end his career at, at a very low point, you know, 
I think he's got a lot more success going to a team that, yeah, has struggled, but definitely can get a win. Can definitely, you can see like a bit of connection. There's no, I think that that feeling of, of uh, not knowing the loss, the, you know, the demoralization is gone from this team right now. Uh, we're kind of on the rise. Everyone's kind of back to the chippiness and, and probably just a good overall locker room, you know, emotion. So I think this is a this is a great move for him, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, like an Ilya Kovalchuk type of situation with him. You know, a guy that definitely is is a, is a bit older, um, but actually can excel here because we just have a lot of youth, and we're we're feeling we're feeling a lot better. You're leaving a team that has been just dreadful and coming to the team that has promise. Yeah, I totally think that uh, Eric Stahl is going to come in as kind of an Ilya Kovalchuk kind of presence in the locker room kind of the way that Kovalchuk served as Suzuki's sort of mentor we remember that Kovalchuk was definitely very close to Suzuki Suzuki says he learned a lot from him I think Eric Stahl can teach a lot to Yasperi Kakinami they're built very similarly obviously Eric Stahl was a very proficient goal scorer I see KK as more of a playmaker but I still think that Stahl can teach him a lot about how to play with a big frame. He was an elite center in this league for a very long time. You don't get to how many seasons is it now? 17, you said? 17. You don't get to 17 NHL seasons uh, if you're a scrub. He's a member of the Triple Gold Club, which, by the way, Bergevin keeps adding members of Stanley Cup winning teams, the triple goal club. He's adding winners. And I think that's what's, at the end of the day, important to this is that Eric Stahl knows how to win. He's won it, he's won it every level. And it's clear that Bergevin, you know, he's adding these guys because this team is meant to win. But going back to that, I just think he can teach KK a lot. And I think that veteran presence is going to be beneficial not only to our youth but it's also going to be great for face-offs because Eric Stahl's a pretty decent guy on the draw and you know it's got to obviously be a lot of pressure on Deneau to be the only guy who can take face-offs right Deneau's having an off night we're not winning draws and we're already bad so all in all especially with um the Buffalo retaining half of his cap I think this is a another Genius move by Bergevin, low risk, high reward. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, what did you think of his uh, reaction to leaving, though, when he uh, they asked him about the situation in Buffalo? Did you hear that quote? I did. I, if, if you tr- told me to recite it, I'd fucking get shot. But um, when he was, he basically said, uh, it's not my problem anymore, so I don't really have yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> like, and truthfully, he handled it like a veteran, right? I thought it was you know? funny. Yeah. No, it was 100% funny, but like he didn't have to truly drag the team. But he did it. I wouldn't say he dragged them, but he just did it as, as professionally as he could. I mean, truthfully, you know, you want to be excited about getting out of a situation like that, but you don't also want to show the new team, you know, like that – you you don't want to give the the bad impression, right? But I, I think he handled if it. If you come well. in, if you come in dogging guys 
it doesn't give you a good impression. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I think, I think he did. I think his, you know, his, his little meeting today was really great. I thought, I thought he showed, you know, that he still has a presence and he still wants to be a part of a, of, of hockey, you know, and fuck yeah. dude. Keep in mind, this guy's worn a letter for 14 of the last 15 years he's played hockey. He was a captain in Carolina for how long? Like, this is a character guy we're adding to the locker room. Um, One one thing that's going to be different, obviously, is uh, no longer wearing number 12. He's wore it every, every place he's gone to for 17, you know, 17 years. And uh, mm-hmm. But that was uh, Ivan Cornier's. So we're going to see him in a 21. A little difference, but... I'm sure for Eric Stahl, 17 years in, I'm I'm sure he'll take it. You know, like it ain't it ain't gonna be the end of the world. Yeah, and uh, like you said, the Roadrunners jersey's probably not gonna be <laughs> up for grabs. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's also it's retired <laughs> by, um, I think it's retired by two for two players. Does it not? Uh, the one I, that comes is, to my mind without looking it up was uh, uh, Ivan. Well, I Y A N. Like you, I'm not gonna. I just tried to pronounce it, but uh, Koyaner. But uh, it was before me really like retaining the knowledge of hockey names. So like, I, I just don't want to butcher it even even further. Further. Yeah, it's also retired. Number twelve has been retired for Dickie Moore and um, Ivan Coronier. Nice. The, I'm just gonna call him the Roadrunner. Anyway, sorry. There you go. On. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but there's what you know. There's you know um another another part of this though, is that um, you know we we only gave up very minor you know minor pennies to get definitely a a still capable player, but uh Buffalo actually also retained almost half of his salary. So uh, Buffalo retained 1.6 of his remaining 3.25 contract. He's got one. This is his final year on it, leaving us to only cover 1.65. So that's that's pretty awesome, you know, to to not only I wouldn't say win a trade because there was really nothing for it, but to to gain, you know, to gain more depth and a guy who's really going to fit in on that fourth line again with Corey Perry, who I believe he played with when he won the gold. Um but I just think overall, it, it was a great pickup for us. The, the, the longer I look at it, the better it looks. And um, I don't know what else to say. Eric Stahl is a fucking Montreal well, where Canadian. Do you, where do you think um, – and actually, that's funny you say that because he was saying, you know, he's kind of talking to himself thinking because he drove up from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. It's like a six-hour drive to Montreal. He said he was just kind of, it kind of hit him the realization that he's a Montreal Canadian. And it's funny how many guys say that, you know, they, they go, wow, like I'm a hab. Right. And the irony there, because Eric Stahl was a renowned fucking hab killer. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think he's going to slot in in the lineup? Because, you know, we can make predictions for K- for um, Caulfield, but, you know, things are going to change by the time I think he enters the lineup. But Eric Stahl, I think we could see getting inserted to the lineup instantly so i wonder where do you think he's gonna slot in um uh i think i think truthfully we'll see him on the fourth for right now i think putting him next to Corey perry is going to be ideal uh both of them have chemistry together 
Um, it's an easy place for him to get accustomed to. Um, and then we'll see, we'll see from there, truthfully. Um, if we see a dip in play from, you know, KK, I doubt, uh, Suzuki, I doubt, fucking Dano, I doubt, but you know, you never know what happens. You know, Eric Stahl can come over here and really, you know, fucking define his, his, you know, his last end of his career, you know, his second half, um, but I think I think it's 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 an easy move. It's an easy move to just slot him right in the fourth, and then it makes that fourth line even even nastier. You know, granted, you know things have kind of taken a step back on the fourth line, but you've got Corey Perry, who's gonna. I mean, Corey Perry is gonna be one of those make or break players. He can be there when we need him, and he's definitely a threat. Eric Stahl added to that line. It's definitely like bringing a, a very – you just turn that line into a solid veteran fucking line. Like like the knowledge on that line is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, I'm actually not sure how I feel about pairing Stahl and Perry together. Mm-hmm. I think looking at our lines right now, it makes sense. But like speed-wise, I don't know how, how much it works. Right. But – I'm curious to see um, if Stahl gets any sort of special teams time, uh, specifically on the penalty kill, because, you know, I'll take anything at this point. Our PK sucks. Right. And it was not worse than the league, but obviously there's much, there's a lot of room for improvement there. And uh, I think, you know, big presence, veteran guy can win draws. I think he, you know, genu- generally, if you're a good offensive player, I think you can be a good defensive player in any sport. Because you have to be able to see the game. And if you're a good offensive player, you know what guys are going to do. So maybe he'll be able to translate that into some good defensive play. I haven't watched Jerk Stall enough to know if he's a great defender, if I'm being perfectly honest. Right. But yeah, I'm just curious to see uh, what they'll do with it. Yeah, I, I just truthfully think uh, just an easy way to slot him into the lineup. Uh, and I, I think he'll be impactful on the fourth line. Even though it, it can be a slower line, I just think that it could be a more – I don't know, a more knowledgeable line. And, and even in defensive, even if we don't really understand what Eric Stahl is capable of on defense, you played in the league long enough to, to understand when, when the puck needs to, you know, when to not, when to not give it up. And granted that shit can happen, but um, I just think putting him with Corey Perry, we're only, we're almost making a fucking, a, you know, a, a triple, a triple line, you know, a triple gold <laughs> triple club gold line. line. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. But uh, uh, but moving back, because we teased it at the start, I don't mean to use him as a joke because I'm fucking in love with this guy, but Jordan Harris, no, it's sad. Uh, kind of sad for me to see that he's going back to college. I think he would have been ready for the AHL. But he's getting named captain. He wants to get his education, and he says he's going to stay committed to Montreal. Um, Bergevin seemed pretty inclined to agree with that but Bershevin is a man of mystery these days he'll do and say whatever the fuck he wants (laughs) he told us he wasn't going to make a deal and it was actually funny did you hear his explanation on that Uh, he said he wasn't going to make a deal and then reporters were mad because he did and he goes oh I'm not going to fucking tell you everything I'm doing like (laughs) the other guys are watching too but I mean truthfully at the same time like you you could go into the mindset of not making it we know when he says he's not making it like uh like the guys on Habs Unfiltered, 
you got to when you listen to a Mark Bergevin press conference, you're listening for like the words he does not say. You know, the way he uses his words really will will kind of paint the picture of what what secrets are, are, are you know, about to be yeah. thrown in our way. But uh, but I mean, you know, he could have went into it without without a doubt, not thinking, you know, I'm not I'm not really interested. I think we got a good setup. And then this gets thrown on your lap for such a cheap price. They're going to retain half of his salary for this one season. Um, and then now with the new with the new uh, the new kind of rule Im- implemented, it's down to seven games instead of 14. Why not? You know, it adds depth to oh, to the team. Sorry, you reminded me because we forgot to touch base on that. <clears throat> um, some people might be wondering why, because uh, Montreal was on Eric Stahl's no trade list. Yeah. And then he came out and said how excited he was. And a lot of people were asking him, well, you're kind of contradicting yourself here, right? And the way he explained it, he said, "I'm thir- basically, I'm 36 years old. 14-day quarantine would kill me in the middle of the season. You're right. So he said, yeah. So all the Canadian teams, he said, we're on that list. Yeah, that's that's tough. Like, if it's not the beginning of the season, that's tough. Like, that is 100% tough. And, you know, this this league veteran definitely, like, you know, he said it best. There was no way in hell he was going to be able to, to do that, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, Mark Bergevin sees all this unfold what's what's a third and a fifth for for a below average uh you know draft draft um roster this year so yeah and a, a third round pick only has i believe it's something like a 12 percent chance of making the nhl and a fifth round pick has something like an eight so you know you're giving up what like you're not giving up you're realistically probably not giving up an nhl player and I, I'm not saying like depth, you know, Braden points a third round draft. Martin St. Louis was on draft. You can get guys deep in the draft. I get it. But like you said, this is an uncertain draft. You know, half the prospects aren't playing or they've just started playing. If you look at the draft projections, it's all American based league, like the USHL, the NCAA guys, they're highly, highly, highly ranked. Mm-hmm. And I just think that this is Bergevin looking and kind of turning assets into more assets. And, you know, those two picks were, and I don't think it gets talked about enough, how Bergevin creates assets out of nothing. Those two picks that we got Eric Stahl for were both, um, I forget how the trade tree goes, but we got them by Bergevin moving down in the draft. Right. So he's one of the best at it. If you've ever watched them, that do you know that draft day video? The draft they got Cole Caulfield 2019. Yeah. Uh, Bergeron's taking calls, you know, actively trying to move down if their guy's still there. He's he does it every draft almost, it seems. He moves a few picks down if his guy's still there. And I don't know, it's just asset management seems to be, you know, Bergeron's done very well at it lately. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. Um, like he's just a man. Some people don't understand it. There's a lot of Habs people that just don't like Mark Bergevin, but truthfully has become one of, you know, like, like, you know how like everybody's like big on Jarmo, you know, like stuff like that. I I think, you know, in the future beyond just being a Habs fan, people are going to really recognize, you know, what Mark Bergevin saw, the moves he made, how important they were, how integral they were 
to to you know this team at this time to development and um i couldn't I, I can't be mad at him you know we, we we're way past that Bergevin, there are two different sides of Bergevin. there's the galchenyuk era Bergevin, and there's our current Bergevin. and speaking of galchenyuk fucking tearing it up on the lease pissing me off <laughs> um you know, looking back at that draft, Galchenyuk's still second most in points. Uh, I, that draft's a shit show. Well, we can debate the Galchenyuk situation for years because we have been years later. We're still debating it in Habs right. later. But I do think that this is a this is the new Bergevin. There were two there were two versions. This is Bergevin 2.0. And you talk about Jarmo as an example, and everyone says this guy's a great GM. Columbus sucks. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on in Columbus, but if you had to switch, if I had to switch situations with one team, I'm telling you right now, I would not switch with Columbus. I think Bergman's put us in a much better situation. I don't know how you fuck up Pierre-Luc Dubois trade when you're getting Patrick Laine back, but they have somehow kids getting benched. It's, it's a shit show. So uh, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of hate for Mark Bergevin, and I think he's been given a second chance by Jeff Molson, and our fan base kind of just needs to let it play out. You know, we're not – this is our first year of truly competing. The next two years, I think that's when you kind of have to lay down the law with Bergevin. You're right, and uh, we kind of touched depths on it with uh, with Farles. Jeez, I just blanked. I was like, what the fuck? Why am I thinking of Michael? Uh, but that is his first name, but I was like, what is his fucking last name? Uh, but no, Farrell's kind of asked me the same thing. And, you know, I said that this could be a make or break season, but this is before the Eric Stahl. This is before Cole Caulfield signing. Um, and I'm not saying that that is, that is keys to continue. But like, as you said, like there, there was two eras of, of Mark Bergevin. But truthfully, that second chance, yeah, was very much needed. But we really saw Mark Bergevin develop into a very strong GM. You know, it's just like in the game, you know, you develop your game. He developed as a GM and he's making, you know, right now, very great. You know, he's done very great. Uh, but let's get back to Jordan Harris a little bit. I know you, we kind of, we kind of derailed a bit. On a tangent. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm okay with it. And one of the reasons that I am okay with it is that if you look at our prospects, for defensemen, not only that, but look at what we have as defensive right now. If Jordan Harris does come on, yeah, we, we can lock him in at the AHL, but he's not moving from Laval. Oh, really? I disagree. I think he'd slot right I in think, the NHL. Okay, yeah, he could slot right in. I just don't see – this is just me, hot take coming. I just think oh, there's no. so much. There's so much that he's in line with with other guys – that, yeah, like he could have slotted in, like you said. I just think that I would hate to see Jordan Harris put off doing something that he wanted to do, which was continue, you know, he gets to see, finishes his, his college career, uh, to come in and wait in line. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I don't want to – what what if what if Jordan Harris is Noah Juleson, you know? Noah Juleson got crushed by injuries, though. Yeah, no, you're 100% right, but I'm just saying, like, I don't want to see him – get put in line while we have so much defense 
you know, so much defense uh, prospects and shit like that right now. See what I like agree. We have a lot of defensive prospects and I think our decor is going to be great in the future. I do think it's our biggest issue right now. I don't think Ben Sherratt was out now and we've clearly suffered for it, but I don't think even the way he's played this season when healthy, I don't think Ben Sherratt is the guy to try and go far with. I just You're right. I don't see it. He's not he's not the number one pairing guy we need. I think we do need another puck moving left defenseman because Petrie can't do it all by himself. And for whatever reason, Mete's not getting the opportunities. Um yeah, I think Kulak's proven he can do it, but only when he's playing with Petrie for some reason. Because Petrie just gives Kulak superpowers somehow. He's mm-hmm. like his reverse kryptonite. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. If Ducharme's not willing to play Mete for whatever reason, and he, I think Mete's in the active lineup right now, I think that a left-handed puck-moving defenseman is our biggest need. Okay. So I guess yeah. that's why I want Jordan Harris, but I definitely, I do see the logic in what you're saying because it's, there are certainly a lot of guys battling for that bottom pairing spot, even the I'd say bottom two pairing spots. Mm-hmm. And he could definitely get log jammed down. And like, like I said, like I'm never going to blame a guy for wanting to get his education, right? One, you're one injury away from it all being over. So I think Jordan Harris is probably doing the smart thing. It's just disappointing if you're a, you know, avid Habs fan like myself. <laughs> I'm just trying to look at it as I don't want to see him falter and get put into a system that has an opportunity, like an opportunity to to smother him. Yeah, he could get his chance, but I just don't want to. I don't want to bring him up just to have him wait, just wait in the stocks. You know, that's. Granted, you know, he could make the difference. He could, he could slot in right away. But to see someone like Mete, who's made it and has just basically sat around up until um, uh, Sherrod Sh- getting hurt, it, it's just a tough look, you know. And, yes, we do need uh, more left D, but I'm not upset that he d- decided to wait. And, truthfully, it, it could it could help him in the end. It, could, it, it might not, you know, but uh, – I don't remember how old he is, but you also have uh, Mateus Norlander. He's actually above him as, as like the top 20 prospects, but like say he fucking comes over, then Jordan Harris, you know, like what, what happens, you know? Yeah. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe another year in college, two years in college. It might, it might, it might help, you know, move, move some fucking prospects around and he might, you know, rise in his his ability to come in you know we might make moves in the offseason there's no telling you know we still smug bergevin he still could make a move for a dense defenseman right now and then that would have really stunted jordan harris to stay you know as an ahl and maybe maybe he put that into thought you know yeah for sure you hear a lot of talk about uh matthias Ekholm, you know like it, it, but it's it's mark bergevin there's no telling what could happen but Jordan Harris chose education. I'm not upset with him. I think it's a right move looking at all the lefty that we have as prospects, even though he's, <laughs> he's like, you know, 
the next one, you know, under under Mateus Norlander, but shit, you Gooly Struble fucking <laughs> Yeah, we we've got a plethora of defensive prospects. Look at, look at Paul Kale Flurry. Yeah, he's a right D, but should shit. be should be in the NHL. He was last year, right? Yeah. No, I told I totally think with Juleson. Like it's just it's it's We've talked about this so many times how, you know, how it's such a scary but positive thing to have so much depth in defense coming up. But it's like you got to make that hard decision of which one's, you know, which one's going to be the rising star, which one's going to out outlast, you know, the other 10 applicants, you know, who are we going to lean on? And it's I think Jordan, Jordan Harris might have given himself extra time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough now um we've covered all our outline topics for today's episode did you have anything else you thought of that you wanted to add uh quarant- just a quarantine update uh still the only two guys uh on the quarantine list right now is gonna be um kk which i don't, i believe he still hasn't tested positive just was in close very close to Yoel Armia. Uh, I haven't seen an update if he tested positive again, but he was the only positive on the quarantine. Also, Mark Bergevin stated that he was not upset with the guys. He said that he believes that they did everything right. Sometimes this this just kind of happens. This is a very wild virus. He didn't try to point fingers and blame that, like, maybe the guys were out somewhere or anything like that. He knows his guys. He knows the system. They're, this is a very tight-knit group, and then they follow the fucking rules, and he wasn't upset at the circumstances. And truthfully, I, I guess the last thing I want to ask is how do you feel about this, this extra week off? Um, I think it's a disadvantage, but um, a positive from it is that none of the teams below us, meaning mainly Calgary and Vancouver, haven't got a single point. So, I thought Calgary won and uh, last night. Oh, they might have won last. Yes, they night. won. They won last night. But I know. As of yesterday, they hadn't got mm-hmm. a single point on us since, um, and we'd been out the whole time, right? So, yes, it was. Uh, Eric Angles tweeted, and I sent it to you because I was like, "This is I want. I want to. I wanted to bring it up." But uh, since the Canadians got shut down on Monday, the two teams directly behind them, which is Calgary and Canucks, uh, have lost all of their games in regulation. Uh, Canucks dropped there too, and the Flames lost to the Jets on that night. They came back, recovered, and beat the Jets. But the next, I, I believe, uh, I believe the next game is going to be the Jets again. I think they're on a three, three game little stint with them. But uh, <clears throat> up until you know this win, they would they had dropped three in a row. So this is still great for us, and uh, I like how you feel. It's a disadvantage. Um, I, I thought of it at, at that way first, but when I was talking, when I was prepping to talk with, uh, Farls, I really kind of took it as, as a, as a chance to one, two, and three, they're going to be moving, uh, moving to take each other. Toronto's got 46, Winnipeg, 44, Edmonton, 43. They're going to be fighting for first and second, truthfully. And Montreal, yeah, can definitely come back and get put in that picture. But I think Montreal is going to lock in that fourth position. And, you know, I, I base it off of OTs. But the fact that every team, the lowest team with amount of games ahead of us is 34 with Toronto. But with us sitting at 31, 
we've allowed it. We, we, we were allowed it a chance to see the teams below us, what they were capable of doing. And because they did not rise during it and Edmonton and Winnipeg really haven't moved past. Uh, I believe when I talked to Farrell's, they were uh, tied at 42. So in this week, there wasn't much movement. And I think that's an advantage for us. If they actually find a chance to give us those three games back and we don't lose them. I think this is big for us because they're going to finish their seasons out or, or get closer to that than we are. And we can kind of, I wouldn't say predict what games are better, but like, I just feel like we have a bit of an advantage watching from the back end. No. Yeah. That might sound but stupid. As, as Bergman said recently, Games in hand only mean something if you win. You're right. You're 100 percent right. And uh, like I said, it it could be it could be an off the wall thought, but you know this team really did not do good after after the week break. I think this is a bit of a different team though. Um, we might stumble the first game, but I, I truthfully think that um, if it's not a positive, it, it it won't be a negative. I think it'll just balance itself out. But uh, I think Calgary and Vancouver really falling off. Uh, this entire week we were gone is just a little bit of a benefit to us. It, it allows us to kind of have that one game grace period to get back into play, which will be against Ottawa uh, Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's also an advantage because we know exactly how Ottawa's going to play. We're just going to have to play hard, you know? Yeah. So we don't really have to look to, to outskill them. I mean, technically that's how you win, but, I just feel like if we were going up against Toronto after a week off like we did before, that was tough, right? That was a team that was actually going to beat the wheels off of you offensively. And, yeah, Ottawa has done it to us in the past, and they've kind of had our number so far this season. But we can kind of go into this game as expecting that their goals are going to be off of fucking wild chances, and they're just going to play a very – aggressive game so we just got to come in very aggressive and i think we can counterbalance that yeah no i agree but yeah so i still think it's a bit of an advantage we can sit in the back and just just wait wait it out but um just chill. yeah we kind of we kind of chilled off but also uh it gave us a chance to let talents fully recover and i think that was that was the best positive out of it yeah i think that's fair that's fair to say and I think it it'll it if we didn't have this kind of break, I don't think we make the Eric Stall trade. True, true. Well, shit, fuck. Uh, we actually co- covered everything today. <laughs> I know. Um, but I guess uh, I guess we can close it out. I don't really have any. Is there was no games to watch, you know? Uh, well, none that were important to the Habs other than watching, you know. Uh, Calgary and Vancouver kind of shit the bed, but uh, I guess we can close it out here, my friend. Um, you got any last remarks? I know you asked me, but uh, you got anything left to say? Uh, no, personally, I think we, like you said, we covered pretty much everything. Okay, not a problem. All right. Um, well, folks, thank y'all so much for joining us. I think this is a very, a very big episode, and I, and I hope that you listened and you kind of agreed or disagreed. You could have disagreed, but I just really hope that you had listened and you enjoyed yourself. This is a big week for Habs fans, and uh, we're going to close it out here. This has been Habs Nightly. Thank you all so much for listening. But uh, if you could please follow us at Habs Nightly on Twitter and myself at Bayou Benders, and we will talk to you guys soon.
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs> You're a slob. Like, shut your whore mouth. Order- <laughs> That's it. Yeah, like the fir- the phrase pigeon toss, like I find that hilarious. <laughs> like as if you were to toss a pigeon. What like, the fuck is a pigeon toss? No, like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way, like Touch it, go, he scores! Don't forget to catch Stick in Rink, the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area. Every Monday on the Stick in Rink podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts from, or on the hockey podcast network, every team, everywhere. You know how fucked I am in the head? When you said pigeon toss, the first thing I thought of was midget toss. We're back. 